If you would grab your message notes, and we're going to jump right into the Word of God. We sung the Word of God. We felt the presence of the Lord in that. And now we're going to go right to the Word of God. And if you're a guest today, we're so delighted that you're here. Again, we pray you'll feel right at home. We pray the Word of God would just touch your heart. If you'll give the Lord an access pass to your heart, I promise you, He'll touch it. We're talking about faith and action. Would everybody say that with me? Faith and action. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And James is a book in the New Testament. It's just five chapters long. It's very short. It's very practical. It's probably the earliest book ever written uh, that's in the New Testament. And it's written by the half-brother Jesus that grew up with Jesus. He didn't believe in Jesus when Jesus first started saying he was the Son of God. And then he saw the miracles and he saw the resurrection. And if you've ever experienced a miracle of God and you've witnessed the resurrection, your life will ever, never, ever be the same again. And James writes this handbook of faith. I call it faith in action. He says we can have faith, but faith without works is if you do anything and don't have works to follow faith, then it's immaterial. And he gives us some practical things. We've already learned in the last couple of weeks that we're supposed to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. If you really want to be practical in your faith, you're going to be a better listener, and you're going to slow down on the anger. You're not going to blow up at your spouse or your kids. You're going to let the Spirit of God come in through you because the Spirit of God, the fruit is love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness and temperance and all those things. And so when the Spirit of God is in us, then if we're really full of faith, then we will have faith in action. Now today we're going to jump into chapter 2. And it's so appropriate for Mother's Day because we're going to talk about partiality. The Bible says a lot about partiality. All the way from the Old Testament, the Bible, God says, I want you to be fair. I want you to be equitable. I want you to be just. There were people in the Old Testament, the way they exchanged money or trade is they had scales, and some people would would rig their scales one way so that they wouldn't have to pay people as much, and God God was so upset with that. He's upset when things are not fair. In fact, in this life, Life is not fair, and that's why God sent His only Son to fix everything, and when we get to heaven, everything will be perfect. Nothing else will ever be unfair. But here, life is unfair, but God is always faithful. And James says that we're to love our neighbor as ourself. And then he talks about partiality. And I believe partiality is an enemy of love. Can you just say that with me? It's up here on the screen. Partiality is an enemy to love that if you show partiality, then you're really not going to show the love of God. Let me give you an example. Aren't, aren't moms the best at this? Moms are the best at being impartial. They can have the athletic kid and the academic kid and the musical kid, and they're all so different, but they love them all the same. Aren't you glad for moms? I'm so thankful for moms. My mom, who was here at an earlier worship experience and and got to say happy Mother's Day to her. Man, she has my brother. My brother's a genius. He's a rocket scientist, literally. That's what he does for a living. He's a rocket scientist, an aerospace engineer. And he's just got brains, and he's so smart, and he's a great leader. And then my sister, uh, she's had, she just had her eighth child, and, and she's an amazing leader and a master's in math. And, and then my mom has me. And my mom is so my mom is so impartial that she acts like she loves me as much as she loves the other two. Isn't that incredible? It's just incredible. I don't know how she does that, but it's a, it's a gift. And we can learn impartiality from our moms. And so God wants us to be impartial the way we treat each other. And I want to talk about that today. 
how partiality is an enemy to love. There's really, uh, there's really several ways, and let's just go through them. If you've got your message notes, there's just a few blanks that I want you to fill out, and that'll keep you awake, and let's just jump right in there. The first truth is this, that partiality makes us unlike Jesus. Can you say that with me? Partiality makes us unlike Jesus, that Jesus came, John 3, 16, he loved the whole world, He loved each and every one of you, no matter what you look like, no matter what your IQ is, no matter what your athletic or musical ability is, no matter what the color of your skin is or what your background is, Jesus loves you. Are you thankful for that? I'm so thankful that God looked down on me, and he's so impartial that he even loves me too. I'm so thankful for that. Now look what James says here in James chapter 2 and verse 1. He says here in the text, My brothers, he's talking to all of us just like we're all family, we're church family. He says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. This is a powerful verse. I wish we could park park it here and spend some more time on this. But Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, is the perfect example of being impartial. People thought that prophesied about the Messiah coming, that he would come and hang out with the influential people, that he would go to Rome and and invade the palace and take over from there, or he would go to the very smart uh, theological scribes and Pharisees and and really do his work there. Or for sure, if you're going to change the world, you got to hang out with the rich people. And Jesus didn't. Jesus went right to the least, the last, and the lost. And today, if you're one of those, if you feel like you are the least that's here, if you feel like you're the last place person in the world, if you feel lost in your journey of life today, then you came to the right place because Jesus is here for you. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus, church, then we have to be like Jesus, and we cannot show partiality one to another. We cannot be uh, slighted one person, and so we show partiality to another person, because if we do, then we're not holding up the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ the way he wants it. How many want to be like Jesus? Then on the job, in the church, in your family, you can't show partiality. It's an enemy of love. Truth number two is this that partiality makes us an evil-thinking judge. Now, you'll see why I chose those words in just a second, but can you say that with me? Partiality makes you an evil-thinking judge. If you're using partiality on your job or in your home or here at church, then you're not like Jesus, and you become an evil-thinking judge. Let me show you why from James chapter 2. It says this, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly of God church, well, it didn't say that exactly. And a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and says, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? If you show partiality, you become an evil judge with evil thoughts. That's not good. How does that work? Because Jesus wants us to focus on him and others. When we're showing partiality, we're only taking care of ourselves. Why do you think that politics, politicians can't get anything done? It's because they're worried about their own jobs. They're worried about getting reelected, and so they show partiality to special interest groups and the lobbyists, and nothing ever gets done. 
And when you focus on God and others, then that's when the truth of God can come to our hearts. When we show partiality, we think, man, if I was friends with that person, then this is what I can get out of that. Ooh, I saw this person. They came up. They got a boat on the back of their truck. I'm going to be friends with them today at church because I want to go to the lake today. You know what I'm talking about? Man, I saw where that person lives, so I'm going to try to sit by them in church. And then someone comes and they smell a little bit different or they don't have the right clothes on. Ooh, I think I'm going to avoid that person. God's heart grieves when we treat people like that, right? It really does. It, it grieves the heart of God, and that's why we've got to learn from our moms. We've got to learn how to show love without being partial. Did you know that Gandhi, many, many years ago, you all know who Gandhi is, and Gandhi began to read Jesus. He began to read the Gospels, and he said, I loved what this rabbi had to say about loving and taking care of the down and the out. And so he decided in his India caste system where there's feudal systems, it's a caste system. So if your family makes so much money, you're up here. If your family makes a little bit less money, they're here. If your family makes no money, you're down here, and you're looked as the scum of society. And Gandhi was from the poor. But he finds these teachings of Jesus, and he goes to a church in India to discover more about Jesus. And would you believe because he was from this class down here and his skin was a little bit different color that he was not allowed in that church in India? He said, if there's a caste system in church, why would I ever give up Hinduism for Christianity? Later, he said, this Jesus I love, the Christians that call themselves followers of Jesus, I can't stand. Lord forbid. Why did he say that? Because they were showing partiality. Isn't that, isn't that challenging, right? Isn't that challenging? Now, you'll find in Galatians chapter 2 that the Apostle Paul says, when we come to Jesus, he makes this bold statement. He says there's either neither male nor female. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither barbarian nor free. What is he saying with these thoughts? He's saying, when you get together in Jesus, there's not one gender that's more important than another. Man, we guys, we like to say, we said it Wednesday, we guys like to say, hey, the woman came from the man, came from our rib. Listen, there's not a man that's in here, this room right now, that didn't come from a woman. That's why we're celebrating Mother's Day, right? Yeah, you better get your act straight. Mama brought you into the world. She'll take you out. When we come to Jesus, there's no male nor female. And then he says that there's no Jew nor Greek. Aren't you glad when we come to the church of Jesus Christ, there is no racial tension at all? There better not be here at Spirit Church, right? Because if the Spirit is in us, then we are all together. And I'm so thankful to come to a church where we've got Native American, and this morning we've had people worship here from India. We've had people worship here from Colombia. We've got Hispanics. We've got African American. Praise the God. That's what the church is supposed to be like. And if anyone were to show any preference to someone because of their race, that is a sin before God. It's called racism. I have no use for it at all. And I thank God that we have a church where there's liberty. Amen? And then he says there's neither bond nor free. What does he say with that? That there's no socioeconomic class in the church. That when we come to Jesus, the person that's been blessed with the most affluent things and the person that has nothing, they're all the same in the sight of Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, we've got a church where we've got every class possible. Man, we've got doctors and lawyers and professors and, and people that work uh, minimum wage jobs, people that are praying for a job. we got everything, and I'm so excited to be a part of a church that says there is no partiality. Amen? 
Man, we keep striving for that. So we don't show partiality because it's an enemy of love. It will make us unlike Christ. It will make us an evil-thinking judge, and it will blindside us to the things of God. It will blind us to the way of God's working things. Can you say this with me? Partiality makes you blinded to God's ways. If you're partial and you're just me, 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 it's all about me, then you won't see God's ways. Someone, a church member, said to this, said this to me recently. It's really hard to believe that God's not partial sometimes. And you know why? Because you got your eyes on everybody else. Well, that, that person's, man, they're really musical. That person, they're really talented in this. And, and you forget it's not, it's not about you. It's about God. And God is using your gifts. And some other person will say, oh, man, I wish I was like them. I wish I was like them. I wish I was like you. And partiality makes us blind to God's ways. Let me show you how this works. Here in James chapter 2, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the the rich the ones who oppress you? And the ones, see, God's so upset about it, there's thunder right there when you treat the rich with partiality. And the ones who drag you into court, are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? What is James saying to the writers that were going to read his letter? He was saying, you're so busy being partial to the rich, and they're the ones that are giving you all the trouble anyway. <laughs> now, Jesus was impartial, right? So when the, when the rich Pharisee came to him, he gave him John chapter 3 and that great truth. But when the poor or when the woman was unclean came to him, he healed her by the power of Jesus' name. It didn't matter what you had. It didn't matter what you didn't have when Jesus, you just come with faith and a humble heart, and he will meet you where you are at. You see, God might want to use you to reach someone that you don't like at your job, and you're being partial to somebody else when God wants you to be even so you can reach that knucklehead that God put at your place of employment so you could share the gospel and they could find eternal hope. And again, you're just gossiping every day about him. And God says, no, don't show partiality. Man, be impartial. Don't gossip about them. Man, show the love of Jesus Christ to everyone. So partiality is an enemy. It's an enemy of love. It'll make you unlike Jesus. It'll make you an evil-thinking judge. It'll make you blindsided to God's ways. I read a story just this week about a youngster. He was four years old. And it was getting close to Mother's Day. and So he was hanging out with mom at night, and they were getting ready to go to bed. And he went into the bathroom where mom was brushing her teeth. And then mom put on her cold cream and put on this, this green, thick, cold cream. And so the little four-year-old was confused and says, Mom, why do you put that slime all over your face? And the mom says, well, I put this on every night so that I won't have as many wrinkles and so that I'll look pretty for you and so that I'll always look young as I possibly can. So the little child said, oh, okay. And then the mom began to wipe it off. And the child looked up at his mom and said, are you giving up that early? Sometimes we can be blinded to the things we're supposed to say and not to say, right? But when we show the love like moms show their children, when we show that to brothers and sisters in Christ, then I truly believe we honor God. Let me just get to the brass tacks from where we're at here. Partiality will make you a sinner. James just doesn't pull any punches. Would you say that with me? Partiality makes you a sinner. Now, let's look at this next passage here. In fact, this is the in the vault verse I want you to to get. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Will you just say that quote with me? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Say it again. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
you remember Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, there's two, love God with everything that's in you and love your neighbor as yourself. If you just do those two things, you got the whole Old Testament taken care of. Love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells that story of the Good Samaritan where someone's beat up on the side of the road and the priest passes by, the Jew passes by, but the Samaritan who's not even supposed to be there goes and ministering. That is your brother, Jesus says. Who's your brother? The down and out, the least, the last and the lost. And the Bible says that we're to love our neighbor as ourself. Then we're doing well. But look what verse 90 says. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin. Here's James just putting where the rubber meets the road. If you're showing partiality in your family, if you're showing partiality to your workers, I was getting ready to say if you show partiality to your wives, but you got bigger problems if you got more than one, right? You know God's built-in punishment for bigamy? You got two mother-in-laws. I got to keep moving here. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do not murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. What's he saying? Boy, we think of big, big sins like murder. I never murdered anybody, but have you shown partiality? Because if you've shown partiality, then you're guilty of the whole law. You're a sinner. And so we've got to make sure, we've got to strive for this in our church, in our families, in our workplaces, especially here at the church. I, it would grieve my innermost deep part of my soul if someone came into our church today and they felt like they were being treated partially, that they were being slighted, that they weren't treated fair because we serve Jesus and Jesus would treat everyone equally. Amen? So we've got to make sure that our hearts are pure and that we treat each other alike. It's not what I'm going to get out of someone. It's what I'm going to give to someone. And then finally we see this, that partiality is an enemy of love, and partiality breeds more partiality. Would you say that with me? Partiality breeds more partiality. Partiality is a sin. A pastor and a taxi cab driver were riding together. The taxi driver, taxi cab driver picked up the pastor on a mission trip and was driving, and a semi came across the line and hit them, and instantly both of them were in heaven. They were waiting at Peter's gate, and Simon Peter said, I'll take the taxi drive driver first. And so look here. Here's a map to your area of heaven. You get a solid gold mansion. You get a solid gold Corvette. You get the best part of the neighborhood here of heaven, and here's the keys. Just have it and celebrate. So the pastor's getting excited. He says, if the taxi cab driver, who just moments ago was cussing, gets this, then what am I going to get? And so now St. Peter says, okay, pastor, you're up next. Here's your keys to the tent, the Royal Ranger tent that's over in the bad part of heaven. And here's a couple sticks. I hope you can make a fire and cook something you're on your own. The pastor was shocked. He said, I can't believe they're showing this partiality in heaven, especially when I'm a man of the cloth and I've given my whole life to pastoring the church. St. Peter, how could this be? He said, well, it's pretty easy, pastor. When you preach, the people slept. When the taxi cab driver drove, people prayed. He gets the better part of heaven. Now, that's just a stupid little story, right? Because aren't you glad in heaven there will be no partiality? There will be nothing. We get a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like, that no male nor female, there's not going to be any racism, not going to be any uh, 
socioeconomic divisions, we're all going to be one in here. But look what he says here at the end of this passage in chapter 2. He says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy trumps over judgment. Mercy trumps over judgment. Remember, if you're partial, you're going to be evil-thinking judge. If you're impartial, you're going to have to show some mercy to people that really don't deserve it. But isn't that what God did to you? And don't you want to be like Jesus? The musicians are going to come back right now. I want us to make sure that in our church that there is no partiality. No matter what small group you're in, no matter what ministry you're in, that we're all one in Jesus because that's putting your faith in action. We can have faith in Jesus and be impartial to the people that are around you. The, com- the common contemporary definition of politics is this. Being political is doing something that you think others would want you to do when you know something else is actually the right mode of action. That's sad, isn't it? Because we base our judgment on, oh, I'll be a little partial to this person because what's in it for me? And I want us to be so full of Jesus that we reach out to the down and out. God is only giving you any influence or any influence to affect those who don't have any at all. It was years ago now, and I was on the stage, I was actually preaching, and I began to argue with God. Have you ever done that? You look so holy out there. You've never argued with God, right? And the Lord began to put something on my heart that I was supposed to share, and I didn't want to. He gave me a specific word to give, and it was so bizarre that I thought, I'm going to look like an idiot if I share this. So I told the Lord that. You ever had those little thought prayers? This lasted like five seconds, but it seemed like 30 minutes. Lord, I'm going to look like an idiot. It won't be the first time, he told me. So, okay, so what the Lord shared with me was there's somebody here at this church service that many years ago, in fact, the Lord said in the 1950s that they were slighted. Somebody did something or said something that was unfair, and they've held it in their heart now for decades and decades. So I wrestled with God. He always wins. So I finally said, okay, Lord, I'm going to say it. So I just stopped, and I said, I really feel like the Lord has put this on my heart, that, that someone who was a long time ago, like maybe back in the 1970s, the Lord said, that's not what I told you to say. I said, you know, it could have even been in the 1960s, because I'm thinking this widens my range of being correct, right? Somebody in the 50s? Okay, I feel like the Lord is saying someone in the 1950s had something happen in church and you've carried a grudge. Somebody was partial to somebody else and you got slighted and you've carried it around. And the Lord wants you to know that he was right there and as brokenhearted as you were, he was there with you. He's brokenhearted to this day over that. Just wanted you to know that he stopped the service to let you know that he loves you and that he's here for you. Didn't think anything of it. It was just like, Lord, okay, thank you. What was that all about? Didn't think about it. So the service went on. We ended the service. And and late after the service, I can show you the concrete that I was standing on. When someone I'd never met came up to me and said, "Uh, Pastor D, they introduced themselves and said, I went to this church a long time ago. I said, oh, great to have you back. They said, well, it was in 1955 that I was in Sunday school here. And my Sunday school teacher, we came from a poor background. My Sunday school teacher said that I didn't have the right kind of clothes on to go to church here. Said I started crying. I told my mom what it said, and we stopped going to church. This is the first time I've been back in church in 50 years. Aren't you glad when you listen to the Lord? So I just hugged this person and said, I am so sorry. But here's what I thought. 
There's a half a century of wasted time because somebody said something stupid. Listen, I know there's other churches that have all kinds of dress codes. If you're a guest today, you can tell we're kind of casual here. We do that on purpose because we try to put down any barrier that might hinder someone from coming to know Jesus. Here's our dress code. Wear something. Please. Pretty please. Pastor, do you want somebody wearing something immodest? No. But I do want a lot of people that don't have anything but immodest clothes coming to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. God will take care of all that, right? God will take care of all that. And so I praise the Lord that, that God gives us the grace to be impartial. You've got to keep working on it. You never quite get it right, but we've got to hear His Word. As you know, my heart is on the front of the program. We say it every week. Our, our mission, the reason this church exists is to share the love of Jesus Christ with the, with the least, the last, and the lost. And 10 years ago, it was on my heart to do the Day of Hope, and you've seen that. 2,000 people show up every year. And almost 2,000 in the last several years. And I do it. I keep doing it because I get to pray for all these people. We pray for every person that comes through. And so after it's all over, we take these stacks, 2,000 cards, and we, we divvy them up amongst the churches that come help us pray. And I, I tell the pastors, we can't, we can't follow up on 2,000 people. Would you help us with this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, had, I was passing the cards out to another church, and I love this church. And listen, I'm not condemning anyone. We've all been guilty of this, but, boy, it really hurt me. I said, I want you to take these cards. No, 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 we don't want the cards. I said, oh, no, I know you're being nice, but seriously, we need your help. It says, no, you don't understand. We don't want these kind of people coming to our church. Listen, I was so dumbfounded that I, I didn't say anything. If I had it to do over, I would say this. Well, then you ain't got a church. And listen, we've got to reach out. There may be people today that came in this place, they look a little different, smell a diff little bit different. Maybe they got bad cologne on. I don't know what even that means. But we've got to love everybody, right? I'm going to ask you, if you're willing to be like Jesus and show the love of Jesus like he did, would you stand up all over this place? Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, would you forgive us of our sins of partiality, of showing kindness to one and not another? Lord, if there's ever been any seeds of showing someone with affluence a better time at church than someone with anything, then would you forgive us all? Lord, if we've ever treated uh, men better than ladies or ladies better than men, Lord, would you forgive us for that's so wrong? Lord, if we've ever treated anyone with a different skin color any different than you would, forgive us for that's a sin that grieves your heart. Lord, I pray today that we would be a church that lives up to the billing, a place of love and joy and peace for everyone that comes in here. Lord, someone might have come with mom today, but they feel like the least, the last, and the lost. Life has been tough. There's been challenges. There's been addictions. And you brought them here for this moment right now that they can be free in you. Pastor Cody and the team have already sung it, but, Lord, we're going to believe it right now. And right now, if you're far from God, watching via live stream or right here in the church, I'm going to ask you, would you accept what Jesus is doing? He's drawing you close to the cross. He wants to set you free from addiction, from doubt, from that slight that someone gave you maybe 50 or 60 years ago now. Jesus wants to make himself real to you. And if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, we're going to pray a prayer. And would you let this come from your heart? And church, would you repeat this prayer after me? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me when I didn't deserve it. 
Would you forgive me my sins? Would you be the Lord and Savior of my life? And help me show your impartial love to those around me. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer in a minute, heavens are celebrating. We ought to join in the celebration. Amen. Can we give the Lord a shout? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.